Volcano, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and a will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. The title of my message today is There Must Be More. As many of you know, because we've shared it in messages and in, you know, just one-on-one sharing with you, you know, this year Adonai has stirred within Michael and I a new hunger and desire for more than what we have been experiencing and seeing personally and in the ministry here at Beth Emanuel. And as I say that, I want to clarify, of course, we love God. We have committed our lives to serving him and his kingdom purposes. And yet sometimes, uh, as believers, we can, you know, go into routine. All of us, you have different pressures that come upon you, uh, family pressures. There's not one person who doesn't have issues in your family that are weighing upon you, whether it's within your immediate family, your, your spouse, your children, or extended family. I get text messages from my family in Missouri. This is happening. You know, call your mom, do this, that, you know. Uh, things, you know, that are weighing on us. The demands on your job. And just the world that we live in today. It can really take a toll on us. And it is very easy to go onto autopilot when it comes to life. But friends, I want to tell you, that's not a healthy thing to do in any area of your life, but certainly not in your spiritual life. So I just want to encourage you with where God has been leading Michael and I this year, praying that it will encourage you, that it will speak to your heart, and that it will stir you to join us and press in with us. One of the first things that God began to speak to us about was, you know, seeking his presence more. And I know even when I wrote this down, this can sound so simple and obvious, and our natural response would be, well, duh, Rabbi Carol, of course we're seeking his presence. Uh, We're here today, aren't we? But I really believe Adonai wants to stir in our heart a greater hunger for him and for him and him alone him first and foremost in our life not for what he can do for us although i'm going to tell you god delights turn to your neighbor and say god delights god delights to do good things for you as his child this, that's who he is he is a good god and he delights to give good things to his children but we need to seek him just for who he are for who he is even a couple of the songs we sung today are about his presence you're what i need and yet sometimes our relationship with god is all about us asking for things 
Now, God does tell us in the scriptures, let your requests be made known to him, right? He says, ask and you will receive. So God wants us to ask. But think about any relationship you have in, in the, you know, with other human beings in the earthly realm. How would you feel if all your child did was ask you for things? And we know children are good at doing that, no matter what age. <laughs> or if your spouse always just ask, ask. And never made effort just to spend time with you. See, God, again, delights to answer and to give. But he also delights for us just to spend time with him. To seek his face. And he wants us to go beyond having a religious experience. And it's so easy to fall prey to a religious spirit. What does that mean? That means that we come to service because we're supposed to. And those, the rabbis have those board members calling us every time we miss. I don't want to get a phone call this week, so I better show up to service. P.S. They call, so if something is wrong and we haven't heard about it, they can communicate to us so we can pray. Or we have devotions because we're supposed to. And don't get me wrong, there are sometimes. There are seasons in our life where we have to discipline ourselves. And I've been in those seasons where I don't feel like it. So I discipline myself to seek God even though I don't feel like it. Okay? But there has to be a hunger in our hearts for him, for his presence. It is something that you and I need to cultivate. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for living waters, so my soul longs for you. We need to understand this imagery here. This deer is desperate. Say desperate. He is desperate for water to quench his thirst. Friends, we need to become desperate for the manifest presence of God in our lives. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, in this earth that can satisfy you like being in the presence of God. No career, no spouse, no child, no grandchild, no new car, no new shoes, no new food, Chocolate, even though it's my favorite. And Roberta just gave me a piece, which I'm going to eat later. I can't share it. It's too small. Or I could cut into a lot of pieces. But none of those things bring the satisfaction of being in his presence. And today as we worshiped and we sang, surely the Lord is here in, his, in this place. God is here. His manifest presence is here. But it's not just here in this place. We need to experience his manifest presence daily in our lives. John Kilpatrick said, if you are really, truly desperate, 
God will not disappoint you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God will not disappoint you. God will never, ever disappoint a heart that is hungry and thirsty for him. He says, if you're hungry, he's going to lead you to his banqueting table. He's not going to make you hungry the rest of your life. He is the one who deposits the hunger in you to begin with. Yeshua said, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Friends, we have to have a hunger and a desire for his presence. More than anything else on this earth. And yet too often, everything else is what we desire. Or everything else is what we put our attention to. And I get it. We have lives that we have to live. And and no one is, and and I've said this before in this year, no one's asking you to withdraw from life. But in the midst of that life and of your daily experiences and your daily responsibilities, abiding in his presence, right? Yeshua says in Yochanan 15, you abide in me and I in you. That abiding is a continually being in his presence. And the good news is that is something that is attainable for every one of us. There's another song Rabbi Michael recently brought into worship. It just touches my heart, here as in heaven. I'll spare you my singing, because you know I'm the joyful noise section. But the chorus goes, overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came. Can you say that with me? You're the reason we came. You're the reason we came, God. To encounter your love. Your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came. You're the reason I'm alive. You're the reason for my existence. God wants to be the lover of your soul. Means the center of your existence. Ask yourself, is Yeshua, is God the reason you came this morning? Or did you come because of religious obligation? And as I said, it's not just about what takes place here in this service. Because this afternoon we're going to go and leave and go to our homes. And maybe some of us will come back tonight, but tomorrow we get back into our weekly routine. We need to learn to live in his presence daily. Too often as believers, we just mix God into our lives. And you've heard me talk about this also. We love God and we love his benefits. But we don't want to get too radical about this relationship stuff. Friends, you were created first and foremost to be in relationship with God. Bereshit, in God and Eden, God created Adam and Eve. Why? 
to have fellowship. He walked with him in the cool of the evening. Doing what? Fellowshipping. You were created to have a personal relationship with the God of Israel, the creator of the universe. We can't just continue with our own plans in our lives and try to add God to it. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people who are passionate for him. He says, God, my life is yours. My day is yours. You see, I have to go to work, but I commit my work day to you, God. I have to go to school today, but I commit my school day to you. God, your presence go with me. You direct me. You guide me. And if you don't have a personal relationship with God and you're here today, I want to tell you, God wants you to enter that personal relationship. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. It's through Yeshua who came and offered himself as the once for only sacrifice of atonement. And it's by putting your trust in him that you can enter into that relationship. So he's looking for people who are passionate about his presence. And and you can say, but Carol, Rabbi Carol, isn't God always with us? Yes, on the one hand, because he says, I will never leave you, right? I will never forsake you. Yet over and over again in the scripture, he encourages us to seek him. To seek his manifest presence. Literally, most of the time when it says seek God, it's seeking the face. Right? Panay. Adonai, the face of God. He wants us to seek his manifest presence where we encounter him, and we know that we know that we have encountered him. Think of what David charged his son Shlomo as he was getting ready to pass the torch on to his son, and his son was to build the, the temple, and he said to Shlomo, Now set your heart and your being, everything you are, set your heart on seeking Adonai, your God. Get up and build the sanctuary for Adonai. God is saying to some of us, get up. Get up out of your complacency. Get up out of your lethargy. Get up out of your laziness. Get up and seek my face with all your heart and with all your being. Because when Adonai's manifest presence comes, it changes us. And not just and make believe change. Hear what I'm saying? Well, let me say it again. When God's presence touches our life and we encounter Him, it really does change us. And it's not a make believe change. Okay? In other words, that you're one way here in the sanctuary and you're totally different in your home and at work 
Friends, that's not change. But when you encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you go into his manifest presence, and in his presence you allow him to touch the deepest part of your heart that you have not exposed to anyone else, when he touches that area, you are forever changed. And when you are changed, look at our revival banner over here. When your heart is changed, your home will be changed. I know you think, you know, that things have to take place in your family. If only my husband would get his act together. If only my wife would get her act together. If only my children would get their act together. No, 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 friends. If you would get your heart into the presence of God and allow him to touch it, your home will be changed. When your home is changed and my home is changed, the synagogue is changed. When the synagogue is changed, our community has changed. When our community has changed, our nation has changed. When our nation has changed, the world has changed. See, God's looking for world changers today. Are you going to be a world changer? And you may think, oh, this message is not for me. I'm not into that relational stuff. I want to tell you right now, this message is for you. God has you here for a reason, and he wants you to know that he is hungry Hungry and desirous for you to draw near to him. And the rest of this message doesn't matter. The rest of this message cannot take place if we don't get this first thing down. And my husband and I could preach on this every week. Because seeking his face, his presence, is where everything else, say it with me, everything will be taken care of. So we have begun to seek him more. And again, it's not that we weren't seeking him, but there's a new passion and a stirring for his presence. But it doesn't stop there. God encourages us that as we seek his presence, his presence will lead to his power. In Acts 1.8, Yeshua said, you will receive power. Say power with me. When the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon you. A book we read this year, it said the early Kehilah had a culture of continuous power because they managed to sustain an atmosphere of God's presence. That power is there because they lived in his presence, his manifest presence. His presence will bring signs and wonders. Now we sung today, I don't need a sign or wonder, I don't need a thunderbolt to know that you are real and you're true, you are all I need. And that's true and that's where we start this message with. But once I'm in that place of his presence, then I am believing for the power that he has promised to operate in my life and in your life as part of this congregation and in this community to perform signs and wonders that people would be drawn to Messiah and to the God of Israel. Amen? I don't want to tell stories of what happened years ago in ministry. 
10 years ago, five years ago, or even last month. I don't want to tell the stories of miracles that are happening in third world countries, and they are happening all the time. And I, you know, we are exposed to ministries. We, uh, we make sure we expose ourselves to these ministries. And it is so encouraging. It's not that I, you hear what I'm saying? I'm encouraged when I hear about these miracles. But I want to see those same miracles here at Beth Emanuel, here on Long Island, here in New York, here in America. And so God has stirred our hearts to believe that his power is here at Beth Emanuel and that we should expect healings and miracles to follow the preaching of the word to confirm the message of who Yeshua is, the Messiah who came. He died, was buried, rose from the dead, and that resurrection power is in you and in me. Rav Shaul says to the Kehila in Thessalonica, the good news we brought did not become for you a matter only of words, but also one of power. Say that with me. Power. The power of God. It flows to those who believe. And our faith is increased when we develop that intimacy with God. And through learning his word. And God wants us to heal the sick. He wants to provide for us supernaturally. He wants to perform miracles. And again, we rejoice in the things that he has been doing in our midst. And I've told people, share your testimony, no matter how small it is. Give God the glory for what he has done. So Carol Mandel shared last week, you don't understand the desperate situation. The government took away all her, all her money, took it away. Said, no, you can't have this anymore. And she wrote to me, and she wanted to appeal, and she wanted to give the paperwork. They said no. I said, can I share this with the leadership team so we can pray? She said, yes. I want to tell you, when I got that email, I was shouting. You know, again, not that they just give back to her what they had taken away, but they doubled it. That's supernatural intervention by God. Because in the natural, they would not let her do anything. They wouldn't take her paperwork. But there's a God in heaven who can go beyond the paperwork. He can surpass the paperwork. He doesn't need the paperwork. We prayed for Fred, who had to go in for a biopsy, and and he shared this week with us on Facebook. No cancer. Hallelujah. And even Carol has that testimony also herself from last year. We prayed, no cancer. So God is moving in our midst, and we rejoice in those things. But we want to see it happen on a more regular basis. God's power wants to rest upon you to heal the sick and to perform miracles. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to heal the sick. God wants you to perform miracles. 
And the only way it's going to happen is as you abide in his presence. And when you're in his presence and you develop that intimacy, his power flows through you. Friends, there's a Jewish community around us who desperately need to know their Messiah. It's a matter of eternity. Eternal life or eternal damnation. They are not looking for a powerless religious experience. Do you hear me? The Jewish community, your Gentile friends, nobody is looking for a powerless religious experience. They can get that anywhere. All the religions of the, uh, of the, on the world today can offer them a powerless religious experience. What sets us apart as followers of Yeshua? It is that he wants to demonstrate his reality of who he is through signs, wonders, and miracles. Everywhere we read in the book of Acts of that first century Kehillah, they were operating in signs and wonders. And God wants to do the same. God wants to heal you. Today. Today. If you're here sick, God is here to heal you. He wants to perform a miracle in your life. And then he wants you to pass that on that you would pray for others to be healed and that you would pray for others to receive their miracle. We heard a minister say a few days ago, and I looked at Rabbi Michael and Abigail and Josiah and said, that'll go good in my message. God doesn't heal you because you're good. God heals you because he's good. Healings, miracles are not because of our goodness. It's because of his mercy. God wants to heal you today. God wants to perform a miracle in your life today. I'm ready to receive today. Are you? I have several things I'm standing in faith for. I want to see it manifested. Again, True manifestation, not this, oh, something happened in the spiritual realm. Let me tell you, friends, if something happens in the spiritual realm, it's going to be manifested in the natural. It's just what's going to happen. And then God asks us, I have two more things to share with you. The third thing that he has challenged us with in this year is, are you willing to pay the price? I felt God saying, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice, Carol, for the salvation of your family, for the Jewish people, the Gentile people in your community? And I can hear you saying, Rabbi Carol, I feel like I've sacrificed a lot already for God. And I understand. I can look around here and I can see people who gave great financial sacrifice during the building of this uh, temple, who have sacrificed in family areas. You know, it was 34 years ago, April 5th, that I moved from Kansas City 
Missouri side. It's the only side that counts, in case you're wondering. To New York. I left behind my five brothers and sisters, my mom and my dad. And a slew of nephews and nieces who have increased. And now I have great nephews and nieces. And I've shared this before. You think that's not a sacrifice? It is. And we can say, I've made sacrifices. <clears throat> and as I said to God, I've made sacrifices. But Michael and I found ourselves looking around and saying, are we content with what we are seeing in our personal lives and in the congregation? It's good. We have a good family life. We love each other. We have good kids. The congregation is good. Everybody comes in here, compliments us on what good people you are and your kindness and your goodness. Everyone takes note of it. Here during the retreat that we just had and we hosted, and again, thank you as a congregation for allowing us to host that National Jewish Fellowship Retreat here. People are touched by your willingness to serve and to be here. So we said, it's good. But we found ourselves saying, there must be more. There must be more. And if we want to see the more, what's the price? Winky Prattney said, when the question is asked, what hinders revival? In other words, the supernatural move of God with signs and wonders and the salvation of our loved ones. One of the simple answers is this. We do not have men and women who are prepared to pay the same price, to preach the same message, and have the same power as those revivalists of the past. Without these firm believers, the community can never be changed. Our concern is conciliatory, our obedience optional, our lack theologically and culturally justified. In other words, we come up with excuses why we're not seeing his presence and his power in our life. And we found ourselves saying, we we want more, God. And we shared with you about our personal prayer habits that have changed. Family, you know, praying for family members. I have two brothers who desperately need God. Out of the 30 or 40 nephews and nieces, many of them are in desperate need of God. So we committed to more prayer, more fasting, praying in the spirit. A walk around our neighborhood takes about a half an hour. These days it's mainly Abigail and Michael doing the walking, but praying in the spirit the entire half hour and walk in the door with an amen. We fast throughout the week on a regular basis. 
I do not have my husband's constitution. He can fast two or three days in a row. I can barely make it through one day, but I fast a day a week. It takes me about a day to recover, seriously, sometimes. So because I can't do more than one day at a time, I will fast meals on other days of the week. We listen to the Bible and audio in the car and around the house as we're working. We've shared this before. In addition, he's led us to read some books this year to encourage us, books by men and women who are experiencing the more that we're not yet. These books are not a substitute for the Word of God. There's an encouragement, and we've shared those with the leadership and with others who have asked us. And what is the result? I'm going to tell you, the result is there's a heightened spiritual awareness since we began. What do I mean by that? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading one of those books, and I was down in the business office because I was getting ready to do the, uh, the books, the finances for the week, and take care of some other administrative things. But I just wanted to finish this chapter And I turned the page, or slid across on my iPad, and I began to read, and I began to weep and cry. And I came upstairs to my husband's office. I said, Michael, we need to repent. We need to repent for settling for the status quo and not pressing in to more of God's presence. And that's not the first time Adonai challenged, and we sat there, I I was just weeping and crying, and we prayed a prayer of repentance. And it's not the first time that God has challenged us in the first six months of this year. Oftentimes where he speaks to us about repentance, showing us things, you know, this, this is not good. You need to change. You need to repent of this, Carol. You need to repent of this, Michael. And we take care of that. We've seen the atmosphere of our home change. And again, it wasn't that we had a bad atmosphere. Our family is pretty close. Most of you know I homeschool both my children. So we are used to being gathered 24-7. Yet there's something different in the spiritual realm in our house. During the retreat, Ray and Cassini again and stayed with us. And that first night, I mean, they just got into our home, and they sit down, and I remarked, as Ray said, your home is so peaceful. Your home is so peaceful. Now, don't get me wrong. We still have our moments of tension. In fact, uh, yesterday, we had quite a few of those moments. <laughs> that we had to work through. But I want to tell you what has happened is that we are all quick to recognize it. And one of the four of us will say, let's stop and pray. It's not always mom and dad either, I have to confess. We'll say, let's stop and pray. And we stop, we pray, we repent of our attitudes and our interaction. Why? Because we don't want anything to hinder our pursuit of his presence of his glory, that will bring his power, that will transform not just our lives, but the lives of the people in the community he has called us to. 
In the book of Acts, we see this pattern among the, that first century kehilah of prayer. There are about 32 references, you know, give or take a few, to prayer in the book of Acts, which has 28 chapters. And the majority of these references are to corporate prayer. The people gathered together in prayer. I want to tell you, one of the foundations for breakthrough in your life personally, besides in the congregation, is corporate prayer. You know where I'm going, right? That's why a few of you said amen. Beginning with chapter 1, it says in Acts 1.14, they all devoted themselves single-mindedly to prayer. Acts 2, they continued faithfully in the teaching of the emissaries in fellowship and breaking bread and in prayers. Acts 4.32, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered, in other words, all this prayer is taking place together, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I want to tell you, my husband and I and our children fast and pray regularly. Our kids pray as well. Uh, They fast as well during the week. They select meals each day to fast on several days. We are praying for the Jewish community of Long Island. We have a Chabad house right there in Quorum. Every time we drive past it, we pray for the salvation. We're speaking against the anti-Messiah spirit there, calling them to faith. And don't you know, at our Yom HaShoah commemoration service, we had someone come who was from the Chabad. I don't know if it was from Quorum, but that's where they came from. We saw it as an answer that we had been praying over that. So every time we pass that, we pray. We pray for this congregation. We fast and pray for those who are sick and financial need. I want to tell you, your names are called out often in prayer. Not just by my husband and I, but by my children and your family members. Why? We want to see real, tangible breakthrough and change, not only in our lives, but in your lives and in the community of Jewish people that God has called us to. So my question to you, and it's a very serious question, is, Won't you join us and be a part of the foundation of prayer in this congregation? I would tell you right now, as a spiritual leader, we do not have a good prayer base. And it breaks my heart to say that. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray at home. It's not either or. Understand? You need to be pressing in prayer at home. My family is doing that, and you should be doing that too. Not one is not a substitute for the other. They go hand in hand. And corporate prayer, if you're not praying at home, you're going to come and sit like a knot on the log. We don't need that. So you better be praying at home. There are two corporate prayer meetings right now at Beth Emanuel. Thursday night, 6.30 to 7.30, and Saturday afternoon. Right now uh, at 2 o'clock, but as the summer months come, it'll be a half hour after service ends. 
as your rabbi, I'm telling you, we need you. We need you at one of those meetings. I don't care what you have to do with your schedule to get here to one of those meetings. I'm going to tell you right now, God is challenging you to show up. Every one of you are here on Saturday anyway, so you can certainly stay for that meeting. If we become serious as a congregation and press into prayer, every outpouring of the Spirit of God recorded from the book of Acts on was saturated in corporate congregational prayer. God's, guys, I want to see a breakthrough. I am going after God with all my heart, soul, and being along with my family. But I want to tell you, I can't do it alone. I need you, and I need you, and I need you, and I need you. Because we're part of this congregation together. And I'm not saying to put guilt and condemnation on you. You don't show up to a prayer meeting. I still love you. I still pray for you. I still believe for breakthrough in your life. But I'm telling you, God is calling you. If you're a part of Beth Emanuel, to show up and be a part of corporate prayer. Selah. Who needs a breakthrough in their life besides me? You're not sure. (laughs) What area do you need? Is it your marriage? I'm telling you, my husband and I are fasting and praying for marriages like never before. Because I want to tell you, hell is rampant to destroy the family unit. You see in our society, you know, from, I mean, I just got the newsletter from Michael Brown in Columbia. They uh, sanctioned same-sex marriage, and now they had three guys get married. So now it's polygamy. He says, what is our world coming to? It is an attack on the family unit, which is one of the foundations of the word of God. So we are, if you're married and you're here today, I want to tell you, we're praying for your marriage. Do you need a breakthrough in your marriage? Do you need a breakthrough in your health? Do you need a breakthrough in your mental, emotional state? Do you need a breakthrough in your finances? Do you need things to change in your family? Who wants to see your unsaved loved ones come to faith? How many want to see the community of Long Island changed? Our nation changed. The world changed. It's not impossible because we serve a God of impossibilities. But there's a cost. A cost to be paid. It's going to happen through corporate prayer. God is calling you to make a commitment to corporate prayer. And I'm going to say again, whatever you have to do, change your schedule. And write it on there and let nothing, absolutely nothing, keep you from that time of prayer. We very seldom miss the corporate prayer meeting as a family. Rare occasions, and usually it's ministry-related, or when we have a week off, so if you're on vacation, 
So sometimes we do Passover seders. The, often it's a Thursday night that they ask us to do that. But otherwise, we are here at every corporate prayer meeting. And I want to tell you, you're like, well, what does that have to do with my family? It's a spiritual principle. You know, how, how God sets things in order. You know, gravity, you go up to my office and you uh, jump out of the window. Guess what? You're going to fall down. How does it work? Well, I'm sure those who are here are a little smarter than me in science can explain that. But it's a law that God has put into place. Corporate prayer is the foundation of breakthrough, not just for the kehilah, but for your personal life. I can remember uh, one pastor in Brooklyn talking about the prayer meeting that he had. And they were praying, and his daughter was wayward and in a very serious situation. And they were praying and lifting her up. That daughter walked in at that very moment to that prayer meeting and returned to God. Corporate prayer. Thursday evening, 6.30 to 7.30, Saturday afternoon. And the last thing, and I'm going to close with this, is God reminded us that we need to go to the harvest fields. Prayer is important, but we need to put our feet to our prayers. We just finished reading a book on the power of God, and this is what the author says. He said, if we fail to gather the harvest, our revival experience has been in vain. You are chosen, equipped, and anointed to go throughout the world in search of souls. Do you hear that? In search of souls. Why did Yeshua say the Son of Man came? To seek, to search, right? To seek and save the lost. We've been anointed to search for souls and to perform miracles and signs and wonders. But many people stop from the upper room experience. In other words, God bless me, let me fill your presence. And never get around to gathering the harvest, even as people all around them remain ignorant of the good news and are bound for an eternity in hell. Do you hear what this guy's saying? We can fill ourselves with power and yet remain seated in our congregation doing nothing. And when this happens, we grow cold towards the things of God because he has anointed us to gather the harvest not to be bench warmers sitting on the seats in this congregation week after week. What did Yeshua say? The fields are white to harvest. That's not the problem, he says. The problem is pray for laborers. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a laborer. No, 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 really say it. You are a laborer. You are a laborer. You see, we can get so involved in everything else that we do that even in our religious experience and our worship, and I love to come and worship and be in God's presence, that we forget that we have to go. We exist to see people come to faith in Yeshua the Messiah. And I'm not just talking about the official tables that we set up at the fairs, 
although we want you to come and be a part of that. But I'm talking about daily going and sharing the good news. At your work, at your grocery store, at your library, at your school. Yeshua gives us this command. We shared this in the membership class this morning. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make people from all nations into Talmudim, immersing them. Make disciples. But God says, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, go. All right, look at me, because you guys are very weak at this. I'm telling you right now, God is saying, go. Okay? Go. He wants us to go. I'm telling you, God is serious about these things. This is not just a little message to stir you up and say, oh, and you know, Rabbi Gerald, what a great message. God is speaking to us as a congregation. You need to be involved in corporate prayer, and you need to start going. In other words, you need to look for those divine appointments every day that God is bringing into your life where you need to open up your mouth, and you need to speak the truth of Messiah. When that, that uh, co-worker says, man, I have a pain in my back, you need to say, I want to pray for you because I serve a God who heals. And pray, oh, well, what if she doesn't get healed? That's not up to you. I'm going to tell you what. The more you do it, you're going to see the healing come because you're going to activate your faith. In the book of Acts, not only did the believers devote themselves to prayer, but everywhere they went, they were committed to going into the community and sharing who Yeshua was. What were the results? Acts 2.38, 3,000 added in one day. Acts 2.47, daily numbers added to the Kehillah. Acts 4, 4, 5,000 added in one day. Acts 5, 14, believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes coming. Acts 6, 1, the number of disciples were multiplying. You see that word used over and over? Multiplication. And I'm grateful for the ones and twos who have come to faith through the ministry of Beth Emmanuel, but it's time for multiplication. It's only going to happen as you and I go. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just on me or my husband. I don't have the exposure to the people you do. You are called to go. You are called to preach the good news. Am I called? Yes. And I'm praying for divine opportunities and appointments on a regular basis, God. Open up. Often, you know, through the Beth Emanuel Facebook page, I'm in dialogue with someone right now. And that's the way God has given me to reach out to people. And to encourage them and to invite them and to dialogue with them until we see them here. Happened a gentleman came to our Purim party who for about a year I dialogued with him through the Beth Emanuel Facebook page. Inviting him to things. Reaching out. Friends, breakthrough, revival, people coming to faith happen through you and me. We need to commit ourselves to going to the fields that are white with harvest. You don't understand. There are people around you who are ready. Say ready. They are ready to receive the good news of Yeshua. They've tried everything else. Again, every other religion has nothing to offer them. Do you understand that? Buddhism cannot bring true salvation, deliverance. 
Hinduism cannot, Islam cannot, but a faith in the real God of Israel, the creator of the universe, and in Yeshua the Messiah who was resurrected from the day can totally change a person, bringing salvation for eternity, but change their here and now. But they're trying all these other things because they're desperate. If you read any of the studies of people in this world, they are looking to these other religions because they desire something in their life. But all of those things are empty. All of those things are powerless. Faith in Yeshua is where there's real power to bring change into a life. Friends, we love God. He has been so good, so good to us and to this congregation. But we know there has to be more. That he wants us to personally experience and for this congregation. So I just want to close by saying, let's journey together, pressing into his presence, that he might release his power. Let's commit together to paying the price for breakthrough. Does that mean God wants me to fast? I know some of you are asking that question. I'm going to give you the answer. Yes. He wants you to fast. I'm not going to tell you how much, but I'm telling you right now, if you want to get serious to see changes in your life, God wants you to fast. Yeshua says about some things, he says, these things will not be released except by prayer and fasting. And you'd be surprised. You fast regular. My husband and I say this when we come off a fast. I know this is, you look at me and say, well, that's not much for you to say this, but it is for you if you hear my husband say this. Food doesn't have, it's not that appetizing anymore. When you're fasting regularly, I know, again, you look at me, it's like, well, Rabbi Kel, for you to say that because... But my husband was just saying this to me. It's like, okay. What, what, what is it about? It's about denying the flesh that heightens the spiritual man and woman inside of you. That you recognize food for what it is. It's sustenance. Pay the price. Pay the price for breakthrough in your life in this congregation. Commit together as a community to prayer. I expect to see you at a prayer meeting. Again, no condemnation, and I'm going to love you even if you're not, but I expect to see you at a prayer meeting. Commit to going to the lost and dying world around us. Let's stand to our feet. There must be more. I love God. I love everything that he's done in my life. As we say in, in you know, in Passover, Dayenu, it would be enough. It's, he's done so many good things. But he's telling me there's more. And he's telling my husband there's more. And I want to experience that more. And I pray that you do as well. I'm going to close with ironic benediction. My husband and I will greet you at the back as you're leaving. Don't dart by me too fast. Don't make me run after you to say goodbye. Just saying, guys.
not going to zap you or anything. I just would like to greet you. <laughs> well, you've seen it, right? Like, <laughs> May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face. Make his face to shine upon you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face upon you and place upon you his peace, his joy, his contentment, his presence. In Yeshua's name, amen. Blessings.